got one. We're going to use this today, okay? I want to do something with you today, and I want to show you something. I want to just have fun, if you will. I enjoy preaching and having fun at the same time. I would like to talk to you today about what child is this? First of all, I'd like to give honor to God who is who's ahead of my life, who I couldn't be here where I am without him. Thank God for him. I just, just can't thank him enough. I would like to read to you today from Luke 2. If you turn your Bibles to Luke 2, if you would stand from the reading of the word of God, I'd like to, to invite the judge in the house. Amen. The Gospel of Luke. The title of the message today is, What Child Is This? I have to give you a disclosure, though. Even though we're, we use the word child and baby will be used interchangeable, and I understand there's a difference from a baby one day to one year of age and a difference between a child from one year to 12 years. I understand that's a difference, but because of the, the type of sermon it is, I'm going to play back and forth with the baby and the child, okay? So it's not your, your pastor is ignorant of the, the term baby and child. I'm just playing with the, with the words. So, and I say that because people will come up to me, well, you know there's a difference between a baby and a child, don't you? Yeah, I know. If you read from the eighth verse, Gospel of Luke chapter 2, the eighth verse, we'll read down to the 15th verse. It will sound like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Look at your neighbor and tell them, do not be afraid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some things going to happen. All hell going to break out, but do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the child. Can it, come on, look at, look at your neighbor. Say, he is Christ the child. Mm, mm, mm. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men whom his favors rest. Last verse. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. May the Lord have the blessing to the reading of his word that we may live accordingly. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The encouragement for this sermon came from a song titled, What Child Is This? Now, I know that when I... When I held my first child in my hand and from growing up in the ghetto and seeing how people grow up and they end up being a, a hot mess. So when I looked at my child in my hand, I wondered, what kind of child is this going to be? You know, because you always wonder how they look, who features they're going to have. They're going to look like their mama. They're going to look like me. What is going to be their temperament? Their attitude, their mannerism. How are they going to conduct yourself? Because believe it or not, those little creatures have different personalities. No matter how you try to train them and teach them to behave, they're stubborn in their own little way. And my wife and I, we learned that uh, when my children was younger, they wanted to put my children on Ritalin. You know, that, that was a big thing at the time. And we can't control your kids, but we want to drug them up. And my wife, though, she's like, no, we're not putting our kids on no Ritalin. She says, 
before we do that, we'll take our kids out. As a matter of fact, that's what we had to do. Because when our younger kid had this intention disorder where he couldn't stay focused too long, so they felt if they gave him Ritalin, he'll be okay. But when you look at the child, you wonder, what type of child would this be? What would they grow up to be? How would they handle themselves in life? I know I can only do so much as a father and as a mother. We can only do so much to raise them. But, but what kind of child is this? The song, What Kind of Child Is This, was crafted in 1865 by William Chatterton Dix. He works as a businessman in the insurance industry located in Glasgow, Scotland, where he was fascinated with the English folk songs. At the age of 29, he suffered from a near-fatal sickness that launched him into severe depression, which changed his life. During his period of recovery, he experienced a great awakening that caused him to write the song, What Child Is This? His love of reading the Bible and his fascination with the English folk song, Green Leaves, he will create this song. I need you to play this track, if you will. I want to show you how this song was was supposed to be sang. This old folk song with with his lyrics, we're going to sing it. Now, when you look at online, commercially, whatever, they redo the words and they redo the sound. You know, everybody got to bounce to the sound or something like that. But this folk music is different. But I want to show you how it sound and what it looked like. And if you if you don't mind, can you sing it with me? Because it's on audio and I'm going to be looking like a knucklehead. They'd be like, man, that pastor, I can't believe they sitting through all of that. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Isn't that pretty cool? I like that old folk music. Remind me of the quartet music. I know, I know, I know. You guys laughing at me. You said, this man has lost his mind. You said, you know what? Today when I went to church, I was serenaded by my pastor. He was singing, what child is this? What child is this? That's our topic today. Now, I would like to, to dive into it. William Dick's inspiration to craft such a song was to urge humanity to accept Christ. To urge humanity to accept Christ. You see, when he came, he came as a baby, became a child, became a man, and sacrificed himself for you and for me. Look at your neighbor and tell them he came that you may accept Christ. He came that you may accept Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, that you, you have to receive him. You have to accept this Christ. So William Dix's song, What Child Is This?, required him to put himself in the shepherd's position, who had received the visitation, the interruption, if you will, of the announcement of a child that would change the world. My goodness. I don't know about you. When I had my first child, my life changed. I'm telling you. Number one, I had to get a job and I had to keep the job because the diapers weren't cheap. Yeah, that's another story. Some things I must bring to your attention before we proceed, though. This child was a divine promise. Let me explain through the prophet's words given concerning the child to be born. It is important for you to understand that this child, this baby that was born, that came here on earth, it was promised many years ago. 
hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was promised that this child is coming. Genesis 3 and 15 says, after the fall of man, remember Genesis? At the very beginning of the book, when Adam sinned against God, after the fall of man, God makes a promise to Satan. God is all up in Satan Kool-Aid. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Woman means singular. There's one woman. He didn't say all the women. I just want to throw that out there for you. He said a woman. And between your offsprings and hers, he will crush your head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You will strike his heel. And that's what Satan did to Jesus. He struck his heel. But God, Jesus Christ, is coming back, and he's going to step on that serpent's head. Come on, can I get an amen? Number two, he will be the seed of Abraham and will bless all nations on the earth. Genesis 12 and 3. He will be a prophet like Moses, and we are commanded to listen to what he got to say. Deuteronomy 18, 15. He will be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5 and 2. Remember that. That's a prophetic word. He will be born in Bethlehem. He will be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14. Remember that. He had to be born for a virgin. He had to be born in Bethlehem. He is a descendant of David, number 6. His throne and kingdom would never end, 2 Samuel 7 and 16. Number 7, he will ride into Jerusalem. Oh, my goodness. On a donkey like a gentle lamb with righteousness and salvation. Zechariah 9 and 9 to the 10th verse. Number eight. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53 and 5. Number nine. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. I tell you, he was stationed in the middle. Had one a crook on the right and a crook on the left. He was hung there as if he was a criminal. And with the rich, his death, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, a rich man borrowed tomb. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Isaiah 5, 53 and 9 tells us this. Number, last one. These are prophecies. It's not exhausted at all. I'm just giving you just a few, just to wet your palate. Number 10. After laying down his life, so that we may kill him, the father would then resurrect him from the grave and he will not suffer decay. Psalm 16 and 10 tell us that. Here are three points I want to make about this, this, this birth of this baby, this coming child into the world. I, I want to make three, three points about it. I want to talk about the interruption. I want to talk to you about the interpretation. And I want to talk to you about the intervention. Number one. So what child is this where there would be an interruption in the lives of people? Remember Zechariah? Remember Elizabeth, his wife? Remember they were stricken in age? She was past childbirth. The womb was locked up tight, closed up for the season, could never be open again. Mm. One day while Zechariah was at work, he was on the job, man, taking care of business. At work, he received a visitation from an angel to announce of his wife's pregnancy. Their world was turned upside down. This was no ordinary child. This was a forerunner for Jesus Christ. And he had to be born six months before Jesus was born. God was orchestrating some stuff. Locked that womb up for such a time as this to get prepared for the Savior who was coming. Remember Mary? She was 13, about 13, 14, 15 years of age. She's a young lady, right? They got married at an early age, right? She was betrothed. She was engaged to be married. And, and the, 
That was a that was a knock on the door. That was a knock on the door. She received this visitation from the angel and told her that she would be pregnant with a child. And I love Mary's words because Mary says, how, how can this be? I'm a virgin. How, how can I get pregnant? I ain't had no sex with nobody. I'm a virgin. But there was an interruption in Zacharias and Elizabeth life. There was an interruption in Mary life. Oh, there's an interruption in our life too. Come on, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? And thank God for the interruption. Because you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting at now if God didn't intervene. He didn't step into your situation in your life and say, hey, I want to wash you up. I want to change some stuff. You all jacked up, but I want to show you a better way. I'm just saying, that's so free. There's no charge for that, okay? Okay, okay. Take notice of our text of the interpretation uh, interrupted in the shepherd's fields, right? Now, they're up here manning their business, right? Based off of Luke 2 and 8, it tells us that the shepherds, they were living in the field. These brothers was on the job, keeping watch over their flock at night. And some reason, it had to be at night. So when the glory of God showed up, when the illuminations of all the angels from the heavenly host was there, can you imagine the sky? It was all lit up because it was nighttime. Oh, man, I can't tell you that. At nighttime, something about God waking up in the nighttime. Sometimes sometime you got to get up and pray and call on the name of Jesus at nighttime. Something starts stirring in your spirit at nighttime. It's always seen to be at night. My goodness. Think back. Just think back with me, right? You see, when, when God calling comes, God does not care where you are or what you are doing. God wants to interrupt your plans, your job even the place where you live. Think back where, where you were when your life was interrupted. Just, just think back with me. Just, just, just think back when the call came through and you, and you began to dedicate your life to Jesus. You began to give your life to Jesus. I know where I was at. I was at home butt naked, just got out of the shower, about to go out to the club when Jesus met me. It was an interruption in my going out to party plan. I'm like, well, Lord, can we put this on hold tomorrow? This is December 31st. You know it only come around 364 days a year. So 365th day, we go out and party in the club. But then I get out the shower. You want to meet me here? When I got all my clubs lined up where I'm going to hit, you're interrupting my plans. Not to mention I'm butt naked. Luke described what looked like a visitation of an angel. You see, an angel are ministering spirit. They are serving spirit. He wanted us to know that these was no ordinary angels. That they were coming from the Lord. You know the meaning of Lord. He is our ruler. He is our king. Luke did not stop there. He said that the glory of the Lord shone around them. This is the same glory that Moses asked God to allow him to see while he was in communion with God. When was the last time you asked God to show you his glory? Moses felt so close to God, having this communion with God, and he asked to see his glory. The presence, the glory of God, is, it was so strong that the scripture said that Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of a rock. That rock, I believe for us, is Jesus Christ. Without that rock, we have no relationship with God the Father. We can't even stand in his presence. 
You see, people God, men cannot see God face to face and live. It was Moses who was a type of savior for the children of Israel when he brought down from my Sinai the laws of God scribed on a concrete tablet. The scripture said that Moses' face was radiant. It shone after being in God's presence. Moses would cover his face with a veil after every occurrence of being in the presence of God. Men, take your hat off while praying unto the Lord. Women, put your hat on. Cover your head when you go into the presence of the Lord. It identifies your reverence of the Lord. The same glory that appeared to Moses will be used at the announcement of the birth of the child. God's glory will usher the Savior of the world, the Christ, who will take away the sins of the world. This child will usher in God's redeeming grace and truth to the entire world. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This baby that was born, he was going to grow to be our ultimate sacrifice, our Lamb of God. Number two, point number two. So what child is this that interpretation is required? You see, babies are born every day. So what made this child so different? After an angel appeared to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord appeared, the angel gave the shepherds something that you and I celebrate every day. This is the interpretation of the birth of the child. Go to verse 10 and 11. This is what the angel says. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is interpretation. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah and the Lord. It's imperative for me to tell you that because the Jews are currently today, they're still waiting on the Messiah and he have come and gone. But he's coming again. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, this baby is the Messiah and the Lord. What child is this? He's our Messiah, our Lord. Luke 2 informs us that God moved the entire Roman world for the birth of this child. Let me explain. Luke 2 and 1 through the third verse, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, moved the entire Roman world that this baby may come and be at the right time and the right place to be the born. This was the first census that was took place while Cornelius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, had to get married to Bethlehem to give birth to a child because the prophecy of Micah 5 and 2 had to be fulfilled. That was the problem, though. When they arrived in Bethlehem, there was no room in the end. There was no room in the end. Here's my question. Was it a problem? What, was it a problem not having room for the Savior, for the Lord? Was it a problem? After the announcement by the angels concerning the birth of the child, the angels said to the shepherd, listen to this. This is a sign. There was no room in the inn. The mother had to have the child in some kind of stable. And the child was placed in a manger. God himself was placed in a manger as a sign. Hmm. I know 
I heard the stories. Everybody felt bad because there was no room for Jesus in the end. I know I heard it. But they didn't give me the rest of the story. It's a sign. Notice verse 12. This will be a sign to you. Telling the shepherds, the angels are telling the shepherds. You will find a child wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. You see, it was unusual to put a child in a manger. Let alone find one lying in there. The sign was not only for the shepherds, but for you and for me. It was a sign of the coming Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. It was a sign for King Ahaz and all of Israel of this coming Emmanuel. It was prophesied that he's coming. God said, here is your sign, Isaiah 7, 14. I just, I just want you to know, if, they, if you read other Bibles, you should, you should already know this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Here's the interpretation of the child. A king is born, therefore, there must be an announcement. The announcement was made by the angel to the shepherds. But oh, I tell you, the prophets was ringing it loud in the Old Testament. I tell you, you just got to pick up the book. It is, number two, it is, a, it is good news for you and for me that a Savior has been born. Number three, he is a son that was given. Number four, he is the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the deliverer, the Christ. Number five, he is our Lord. He is our king. He is our ruler. Number three. So what child is this where there will be an intervention? While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, verse 6 tells us that the time came for the baby to be born. It was appointed time when a woman carries a child for nine months. God have a timetable on when he wants that child to come out the incubator. Luke tells us that the child was Mary's firstborn. Numbers 3.13 tells us that the firstborn belongs to the Lord. So she wrapped them in clothes and placed them in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. Humanity lives on earth, and from God's perspective, the people seem to act like animals. Maybe he wants them to feed us like animals. Just a thought. Put your rocks down. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm just, I'm just, just I'm brainstorming with you. David states in Psalms 34.8a, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus himself is a little bit more graphic when he tells you about communing with him. He says in John 6 and 53, Verily, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. We're eating from the trough that our Lord and Savior was born, was laid in. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, remains in me, I in them. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is what the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Will live forever. I brought all that to your attention because I want you to know that it's no coincidence that our Savior was laid in an animal's trough where the animals eat. God wants us to eat of him. 
He wants us to commune with him. He wants us to have a relation with him. People of God, this is God's intervention in our life that we may taste him, that we may eat of him. Why is this so important that God intervened in the world? I believe the authors in Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, he's been here. He's done that. He bought the T-shirt. There's nothing that you are dealing with. There's nothing that you're going through that our, our God don't know about. I'm telling you, he knows all things. He experienced it for himself. He knows the desires of our heart, everything we need. He knows our faults and our struggles. He said that he would never leave us or forsake us. If I must conclude, I would like to conclude with a story because I want you to see the picture of our God for you and for me. An Atlantic, Atlantic pastor, Vic Pence, he had a friend who is an actress in Houston, Jeanette Cliff, who tells of flying from Tuscan to Phoenix. During the flight, she noticed across the aisle a young mom with her baby daughter. Mother and daughter were wearing Chris White pinafores. The mother was smiling and the baby was saying, Dada, she had a little pink bow where someday she was going to have hair. And anytime anybody walked by, she greeted them with Dada. Jeanette concluded, I think I know who's going to be there waiting when this plane lands. Dada. Meanwhile, the baby was the magnet of everyone's attention on the plane. The mom had a baby bottle filled with orange juice. It turned out to be a rough flight, and when the baby got fussy, the mom would pacify her with a bottle of orange juice. The flight became even more turbulent. Seatbelts were buckled, and flight attendants had to take their seats. Soon, all the fruit juice that had gone down the baby came up until they seemed there was more up than there was in her. The rest of the passengers was not in good conditions. Jeanette said, as the plane was pitching back and forth, Jeanette kept reaching into her purse and handing tissue to the mom. Finally, the plane landed and instantly the baby was fine and again said, Dada. Jeanette says she looked at the window and there he was. It had to be him, a young man in white slacks and white shirt carrying white flowers wrapped in green paper. Jeanette thought this ought to be interesting. He's going to come running, see that baby, and keep right on running and, and say, that's not my kid. That's not my kid. Jeanette writes, as he ran to the young mother, I wouldn't say she threw the baby at him, but she did kind of leave quickly to go get cleaned up. This young man picked up the baby, and I watched him, and he hugged that baby, kissed that baby, stroked that baby hair. He says, Dada, come home. Dada, come home. All the way to the baggage claim area, he never stopped kissing that baby. He never stopped welcoming that baby home. I thought, where did I ever get the idea that my father God is less loving than a young daddy in white slacks and white shirts with white flowers wrapped in green paper? 
My friend, God welcomes you home this morning. If you've been away from church for a while, no matter how stained you may be by failures or even unbelief, God will not hold you at arm's length. He welcomes you as his child. Come on home and know that our everlasting father is waiting for you. So what child is this? He is Jesus that was sent by the father to rescue you and me. He is the promised Messiah who came and took all of our sins so you and I may live and not die. When you think about this child that was birthed by a virgin, that's already a miracle within itself. But when you think about the child that was promised for hundreds and hundreds of generations, as a matter of fact, it's from the very beginning of time that this child was promised. I tell you, people of God, only a God can promise something at the very beginning and fulfill it at the end. Come on. This is the God that you and I serve. If you're not serving our Lord today, can I, can I ask you why? He came to serve you. He got up off of his throne, came down, born through a virgin's womb, came here to serve you and me. What's the problem? What's the hold up? Lift your hands up to the Lord. May the grace of God rest root and abide him forth and forever. May he forever be a part of your life. May you forever live your life knowing that this child came and died for you. May you always keep that in the back of your mind. The sacrifice that was made for you and all the sins that you committed against your God has been forgiven because of this child that came down from heaven. I pray that you go in the name of Jesus and that you do the will of the Lord, spreading the good news that our Savior has came and gone and he's coming again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. God bless you.